Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Midtrap Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Chris, was that not the most enjoyable hour we have had in a very long time, talking to Kyle Mills? Yeah, it brought, brought a tear to my eye at the end, you know? It was a little, a little sad. Um, I think we send him off pretty well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's bittersweet, but I know that, you know, he left us with a banger. And we we have a whole year to speculate, look forward to the next chapter. And I think we should just, you know, bask in the glory of this of this 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 final installment of, of Kyle Mills. So you're right. It's a banger. And speculation will be had on this podcast. You betcha. There will be plenty of that. But Kyle left us with a real gem in code red. Honestly, after doing part one last week, and I think I stand by, I had some quibbles with the start to this book. The way this book builds, oh my goodness. And I am not one to jump to conclusions and say every new book that comes out in a series is automatically my favorite or the best one that person ever put out. We don't say that, you know, to get ambassador points and, you know, to get some internet hits. Wait, and rarely I, do I say that, you know, total power. I definitely didn't a couple others. Yeah. But the second half of code red might be my favorite thing written by Kyle Mills in this series. I, I, I just wish so badly it was the whole book, you know, instead of just 75% of it, because that, that second half is a banger. And, and when we record part two, I, I'm going to be out of my mind with praise for this book. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, and it's like we said, it's, it's kind of like this one off. And he even said it today in the interview, it's, he didn't, and I, it kind of makes sense the way he put it, you know, like at, at first I was thinking, oh, you know, he's just going to mail it in, not mail it, not mail it in. Cause I know Kyle would never mail it in, but you know, just like, all right, I'm going to leave you with this. But in, in a sense, it, it perfectly makes sense, right? Where we, we don't want to go, he can't have like, he's like a spoiler for our own podcast. Like, he can't have Mitch lose a leg in the last chapter and, and, and leave, you know, or, or ha- heaven forbid, have Mitch die or, or Irene die, whatever. But I think it was a well thought out, well executed side quest, standalone novel. Yeah. And I think yeah, he's been very gracious with his time and, and, and didn't disappoint in this interview today. Yeah. So give us a hashtag peg leg Mitch. If you <laughs> exactly. And pe- people if listen to the podcast, you'll, you'll understand it. So. Yeah. That, that was a good one when he said that, but you're right. He was generous. I mean, guys, he joined us 10 30 PM at night until 10 30 PM. Well, he was in Phoenix. So was... he's in Phoenix. Sure, 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 sure. It's late for us, but he had just flown from Spain. He's getting ready for a three day book tour. He'll be traveling, you know, every day. It was 115 degrees, he said. Phoenix was right. setting records. So, right. yeah, we we didn't want to keep him on too long, but he spent the whole hour and just – I think he had a good time. I, th- I think we had a good time. He had a good time. I think he also appreciated talking spoilers. I've heard a few of his interviews, and they've all been great, but it's kind of like itching to just get into you know the meat and potatoes of it all, and we really got to do that with him tonight. Yeah. No, like we we like to do that. It's it's fun. It's more fun to do that than just give me like. So tell me why you wrote this book, or like what what inspiration you had. Like you know, yeah. no, come on. I want to understand why why you did this. Like what why you did specifically that. 
Yeah. Like, why did this character act this way? Yeah. Or is that Marcus or not? You know, like <laughs> we got that, that kind of stuff. I, I got to say, I, don't, I wasn't totally satisfied, but you were right. Uh, I can see yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. were correct. You were correct. I got a, I got a little too excited there. <laughs> yeah, we get answers to those things. And I mean, let's just put this one out there. Spoiler warning. Ben Friedman. We get, right. Dude, we got Ben Friedman in a Mitra book. To me, that is and to, to do it so well and integrate it into the story as seamlessly as he did. And I meant to tell him this. We were talking a little bit about how Flinny in this book is. I'm glad you brought that up and, and told him we, we definitely saw, like in The Survivor, how concerted his effort was to respect Vince. And it's he went almost, back to that for sure. Right. And it's almost just happening naturally here that he has that skill right. that's in his wheelhouse. And I saw that with Ben Friedman because – Ben Friedman's the weasel, and he weaseled Mitch. Even even Irene, Irene even thought she could trust Mossad and the Israelis and Ben. And, and you know when that happens, you've got a real weasel, and that is something he would have done 15 years ago you know, sure. to Mitch, and he's still doing it right here. So to be able to pull that off is just impressive. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, guys, if you're liking what you're hearing, we uh, appreciate you. And we even got three people hitting us up with some real positive news. Did you see here, Chris, what Dave Evans wrote on our Facebook? No, I, I, I didn't see this. A Vince Flynn podcast. Why the hell am I only just finding out about this? I'll be all over this. Well, well thank where you, the Dave. hell have you been? Where have you been, Dave? <laughs> Come on, Dave. Welcome to the walk. 120 episodes, bro. <laughs> welcome to the pod go subscribe to all three seasons yes we, we've now branched out a little bit yeah but welcome always always excited to have new fans and people are happy we branched out with no limits the thriller podcast because listen to what sam said in an email thank you sam s i just found the no limits podcast i am super pumped to start burning through the episodes i have been a rap harveth and now james reese follower for years this is exactly the podcast I have been looking for. Thank you for all of the content. Oh, well, we, we like bringing you new, fresh content almost weekly. So. <laughs> almost weekly, we do. And so thank you. It's comments like that that keep us going. And not just comments like that. Our patrons keep us going. Yes. So welcome. We have a new patron, Rick W. Yes. Thank you, Rick underscore WS. Tried to reach out to you. Hopefully we'll hear from you soon. Don't know if that's just your handle uh, or your real name, but uh, Rick WS, glad to have you. And we hope you are able to take advantage of a lot of the patron perks, such as our group chat. Welcome, yes. Matt P. and Kevin B. You guys have been around from the start, but now we get to talk to you regularly on the group chat. I, I get to now, all, you know, I say those names at the end of every podcast. Now I actually get to talk about Matt P. and, and Kevin B. Yeah, we know? text them now. <laughs> yeah. And in this episode, I mentioned a big theory, and that was Matt P's theory that he hit me up with. I told Kyle, well, Kyle had an interesting reaction to it. So listen to the full interview to hear what Matt's really, really, really good theory is about the George Goodell, Stephen Weber audio switch. And for the less than the price of a novel a month, you too can support us on this podcast and be the reason that you know we're able to sit here today, talk to Kyle, have fun. Like we literally have fun because of you guys and we love bringing this stuff every month. So go to thrillerpod.com, click on that Patreon tab to learn more. So now enjoy this final, not final interview with Kyle, but final interview with Kyle talking Mitch Rapp. 
Today, we welcome back to the Mitch Rap Podcast, the man who added 3,440 pages to our favorite series, the Mitch Rap Universe. Kyle Mills, thanks for those 3,000 plus pages. Wow. Welcome back. That's, that sounds like a lot when you say it that way. <laughs> I couldn't get the word count or else I would have had that prepared for you, but that mm. would have taken a little extra digging. Jeez, yeah. It's probably a million. How you doing, Kyle? What's new? I'm doing good. Yeah, we're doing. I'm doing good. Let's see. I think uh, got code red in the bag, and now I'm gonna going out on tour, and uh, comes out day after tomorrow, I guess. So yeah, exciting. Kind of exciting. This, I mean, the last one. It's a little bittersweet, but turn it over to Don, and kind of anxious to be a fan again. How did that feel? writing that last page and sending it in, or are you still waiting for the last book tour event? And then you'll really feel like this thing has come to a close. Yeah. I don't know. I like, yeah, it was weird. I mean, it's kind of weird because you get up and you know, I spent the last decade of my life getting up and thinking, well, what's Mitch Rapp doing today? And I get up and realize I don't have to think about that. So, you know, it's kind of like losing, losing the friend you hang out with all the time. And, right. um, so a little bit weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are so many different like endpoints. I mean, when I finished the tour, I had to cut up the company credit card. Maybe that'll be, that'll feel like the end. That'll feel like the end. I'm not sure. But yeah, at that point, at that point, it's kind of done, right? I don't have yeah. no more real publicity, no more stuff. It's kind of over. And so it, it feels weird. Yeah. We, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since, uh, you know, the big announcement and, we definitely want to get into this book because it's it's amazing. But you know, I, I don't know if you can touch on like what made you decide this was the time or like why why you think that, you know, this is your time to to move on. Yeah, I mean, it was a few factors. Just I had this book and this character named Fade that I've been thinking about for like a decade and well, probably more longer than certainly longer than that, but thinking about it kind of harder for for a decade that I've been wanting to bring back. And I think he's got some interesting stories to tell. And I'm just not one of these I'm guys that can write two books a year. I mean, so many people are doing that now. And uh, I, it was kind of one or the other. And I was just something that I'm not as, as young as I used to be that I really wanted to, to dig into before I, I got too far down the line. And um. You know, I think maybe it was time for a fresh perspective on on Mitch too. It's it's an interesting thing because the last book I wrote, a lot of people thought was the end of the series because of the way the way it ended. And I had to tell him, no, no, no. I and I have another book, but I almost thought maybe that was what first started prompting because it almost felt like my era was over a little bit yeah. with the end of that book, and I had one more to do, which I did as kind of a standalone. And maybe that got me to thinking it was time to to pursue Fade again. Okay. All right. Well, we definitely want to get into Fade uh, at the end, but I guess let's first let's first talk uh, Code Red here. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. But even before that, though, just to follow up there, Kyle, it's interesting because those feelings where you were feeling that you you had more stories to tell in your other with your other characters, and you were kind of feeling things coming to a close. Did that coincide with the struggles of Enemy at the Gates and Oath of Loyalty? Because we know those books were a little too close to home and required a lot of rewrites. And 
the changes with the January 6th events. I, I don't know why, but I had this sense that there was some friction. And, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but just the idea of grinding through a book and creating a series and not having the complete freedom of it being your own because you've got the Vince Flynn, you know, backdrop and stakeholders and all the baggage that this fandom comes with. Would you say those two feelings coincided, the, the ones you personally felt and the struggles of kind of doing those rewrites and edits? I, I think that wasn't too much of a struggle. I mean, those are the kinds of things that happen as a thriller writer. If you're trying to like do the, you know, really work with what's in the headlines, it's not the first time that's happened to me for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what I think to some extent that was prompted by the fact that I think there was a still a good story to tell there, but it wasn't right for the Mitrap universe. And that's why I made those changes. If that had been a fade, those have been fade books or any other character that I had written, I probably wouldn't have made as many changes. Um, because you do have, you know, I mean, there is a responsibility that you write Mitch Rapp books, you know, I mean, not, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say Mitch Rapp books because that's a book that Mitch Rapp's in, but Vince Flynn books, that, you know, you stay true to what made those books great to the degree you can, even though the world's very different. So there are things that I want to explore and that are happening in the world today that are very different than, you know, terrorism and a lot of the things that this series were, was focused on that I think would have been hard to tell um, through Mitch's eyes. And I think I've told you guys before that that was true, even with the cook arc that I was going to leave the franchise because that's an arc I wanted to write but I didn't think it was right for the series. And Vince's agent disagreed. And he said, no, I think that would be great. I think that'd be a really interesting thing, story to tell. The fact that it got messed up, you know, by history did, was it certainly wasn't his fault. Right. So yeah. And a um, real insurrection against an autocrat, maybe. Yeah. It, it just, so having a little bit more of a free hand to explore some of the weird because the world's getting weird it's not the soviets anymore it's not the you know islamic terrorism anymore there's just a lot of weird complex sometimes self-destructive impulses they didn't i didn't feel like that was something that would stay true to the franchise and i didn't want to make like really radical even if they were done slowly, which maybe is the opposite of radical, but to really change that series and the way it feels, I, I think they probably would have agreed if I had wanted to do it, but um, I felt like it was better if somebody else took it over. Okay. Well, this book to me, Code Red, it, it I, I don't know if it's just because you're now, you're so in tune with, but it felt very Flynnian to me. And yeah. like, and there were some stretches, like I, I can't even point, like chapter 22, Mike even texted me, chapter 22 to like 27, I, I honestly think is some of your best writing ever. And is it just because you're so comfortable with the series now? It's just becoming naturally that you can like channel your, you know, both, but but also bring your inner self to it, like, but also have Vince, Vince like be there in, in, his, in the words. Well, I wanted this to, to feel a little old school. I wanted to do a standalone. Because I didn't want the next writer, I didn't know it was going to be Don at that point, to um, kind of end up in the same position I was, where right. you, had you, know, you had this arc that had been half finished, and you had to try to pick it up. And um, I wanted them to have 
like a platform that they could go anywhere they wanted with the series. Um, so I included, you know, so I did it kind of as a standalone. I did it a little old school, you know, Mitch is back in the Middle East doing what he does best, you know, kicking ass, taking names. There's background in the book. So if the author didn't know the series that well, you know, you know where he lived. He, he all of the main characters kind of are in the book. So you could build all the relate on the relationships that they have would be really clear. And that's kind of where I was going with this book. I didn't, I just wanted to make it a really fun and exciting book that didn't, and I no longer have, I kind of have the luxury to do that because I no longer had to think about right. the series. The next step, yeah. And, but as far as it like being easy and challenging, no, I think it's probably the second hardest book in the series after The Survivor okay. that I ever wrote. So I really kind of sweat blood over this book, honestly. Well, it comes out in greatness, I think. Well, thank you. It was a, yeah. it's a lot of hard work. I, my wife was really happy when it was done. <laughs> I bet. I bet. This book just took us home. Everything that is home, homely and comforting of the Mitrap universe, when, when we, as the fans, crack open these books, everything was here. I mean, I don't, I, I felt like I was an American assassin in the streets of Beirut. You know, it could have been what, what Vince did there. It could have been third option, real early Vince's his second book in the series crossing borders and trying to hide and disguise yourself. He even rides bikes, right? In a Peloton yeah, across right. the border to try to disguise himself. And he's got Matthew Fournier here. Even it had elements of spy comes in from the cold. I mean, just Le Carre, when he's crossing that border into Israel and he's watching the bat, his back. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not just Vince. It, you're pulling on so many strings in this book of legends, Titans in the thriller verse. I just, it's incredible what you've got to you. in the series. Yeah, thank you. It's it's really it was it was fun. Yeah, I think it turned out it was fun in the end. You know when it when it turned out to be you know something that I was really happy with. But um, yeah, there were some dark days in there that I wasn't sure if it was where it was going. But those you know sometimes that makes for the best books because it's the ones that you have to really think about. Mm. Why are you doing what you're doing and really hone them and um, I just, I think part of it was emotional that I wanted to end on a strong note because I never wanted to give anybody reason to say that, you know, I had phoned this last one in, you know, I knew I was sure. leaving and I wanted to move on to what I was going to do. And I, you know, churn something out in a month or something. Cause that was definitely not the case. That does not come through. And this is interesting. I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit on what I went through with this book because I wasn't sure at first, I'll be honest, I was wondering how you would pull off a standalone that doesn't completely screw over Don, you know, and leave him with just a mess. So I'm like, I know, in some sense, this is going to have to be a bit of a standalone, a side quest. I'm not always a big fan of those. And so when you're setting up the Captagon and the Salerno op and a couple of things, I'm like, okay, it's definitely going to be that level of side quest. But Kyle, listen to this text. When I finished the book, and Chris, this was maybe like an hour ago. I saved it because I wanted to be fresh here. So I let this book stare me down for a couple of weeks so I could finish it right now. About an hour ago, I texted Chris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just finished that book with the biggest smile on my face. That feeling when you walk out of a movie theater you had no expectations for and it blew you away. Oh, well, thank you. It undermined every question or anxious <sighs> nervousness that I felt going into the book. By the time it was done, I was smiling and it was incredible. 
That's great. I I really appreciate that because that's that's the way I want to leave it. You know that that everybody had a great time with my era that I went out with a bang and that Don has a nice platform and he can kind of take it wherever he wants to. Oh, that's nice. I wish I I wish I had more time as a writer though because when I found out it was Don, it would have been really funny to like change the ending and really screw him <laughs> and then send him that version. <laughs> yes. You know, and then, and then Mitch Rott lost a leg. Yeah, exactly. And he has to deal with that. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> then he has to start writing the book, but you don't tell him like hmm. similar to Mike, like we got this book, you know, David sent it when, when he first could. And I naturally, I wanted to read it because it's a, a Mitch Rapp novel. It's like, it's, I'm used to these like comfort blankets during the summer, getting these and, 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 and getting, uh, you know, my Scott Harvath novel from, from Brad, but I just didn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it because I knew this was going to be my last time reading, you know, you and obviously I'm not done reading you. Uh, we're, we're, we're digging into all your old stuff first and getting ready for, for your next, next chapter. But yeah, I just for something I just I, I didn't want to pick it up yet because I, I wanted to savor it. And then obviously I did. Um, but speaking of like, you know, you mentioned that you you had this itch for, you know, fade, obviously, in characters. I, I kind of was thinking the same thing with did you have this itch to bring back Damien Losa? And, and like that was one of the characters I really liked from Lethal Agent, one, one of my other favorite books, Lethal, Lethal Agent. Really intrigued how you developed uh, upon him in, in this one. Yeah, I like that character. I like villains. Yeah. Know? So I've always loved them. I've always liked them better than heroes. So he has an interesting backstory and this interesting guy. Um, a little bit the foil, sort of the the dark sort of reflection of Irene Kennedy. Right. And so it was kind of fun to to have Mitch working for basically the dark Irene Kennedy, you know. And I'm and I think he says it in there a little bit. What would it be like? If if she was unbounded by any morals, Claudia warns him. Claudia yeah. tells him that. Oh, that's right. Claudia tells him that. And and like, what would it be like if if she decided to be, you know, a huge criminal mastermind? And uh, so in the end, he kind of it's a little bit same same but different. You know, he's mm. he's still working for somebody very much like he's used to, but you know, unbound by any kind of loyalty or sense of right or wrong so it was a i think it was an interesting mix and to get mitch a little bit out of his comfort zone to take his backup away from him for most of it um and have him be just completely on his own uh right. i thought in syria which is an interesting setting uh i thought would be a lot of fun yeah yeah we haven't gone there yet right so no, not really. I mean, there hasn't just hasn't been, you know, the United States historically has not, it's not really been our sphere of influence too much. So um, not as, it doesn't get quite as much play as some other places in right. thrillers. And it's such an interesting, you know, co kind of post-war um, setting, the poverty and everything. It's, it's right. a, a really interesting thing to write about. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Chris mentioned Brad Thor earlier. I mean, Deadfall was an absolute knockout of a book and coming out so recently, it's like, wow, that's in Ukraine. You felt like you're on the ground. You're meeting the locals. You're seeing all the, the villages and towns and how they're bombed out. And I was like, this is some of the best, you know, settings in, in any thriller book I've ever read. Then it gets code red and you you do that again with Syria. And, and it's like I just got a one two punch of these villages, the bombed out buildings. 
even the cafe scene, talking about throwbacks, Lethal Agent, one of my other favorite things besides the Damien Losa, Carlo Esparza drug cartel stuff was the cafe scene when Mitch is like this apparition that comes in from the desert and he's in the cafe. <laughs> and here you give us another restaurant scene. I was just digging it. And then the, the locals. Did you have fun writing the museum director? Love that guy. How He has no business being caught up in the war. The kid on the dirt bike, the, the uncle who was a victim of the Russians' nonsense. Did you have fun getting into the Syrian locals and, and setting? I did because, you know, all those people have been so touched by that war. And, you know, what would you like the museum directors and stuff like what, what would you do to survive in that situation? So you have all these people that aren't wouldn't be criminals or wouldn't be terrorists or insurgents or any of these things in their normal lives. You know, they're school teachers or, you know, archaeologists or whatever that have all gotten drawn into this. So it did create a really kind of rich group of people that are fish out of water and the fish out of water story is always a good one you know another thing i wanted to bring up was the the callbacks like um you kind of mentioned it before like having this be a throwback to a little bit to the early days but you know we get ben friedman in this novel like, oh my god when i'm reading that i i just chuckled when i when i heard his name well yeah it was funny though because i when i first did that i thought Man, Ben Friedman's not dead, is he? <laughs> He's around. And it's funny that you remember. go through these things as an author. Like, wait, well, who who can I actually use? <laughs> yep. Yeah, because I could. You know, I didn't remember him ever dying. Right. But I had to go through every book. I had to search every book for his name to make sure that he had just to make sure. Yeah. yeah, that's what we do when we podcast, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can go nice. on Kindle and just uh, and just search it right. Yeah, which is a great thing to be able to do, particularly when you have a 22-book uh, universe. You forget little things like that. How embarrassing would that be? Somebody emailed me like, yeah, Ben Friedman died in you know, Memorial Day or whatever. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I guess that's why uh, George R.R. Um, Martin has not given us uh, the next novel. So Good day. Well, Ben just got kneecapped, and I believe when that happened, Irene says something like, he may be useful yet. She didn't want Rap to kill him. Like she was right. like, I'm surprised you didn't kill him in the situation room where he did it. And I think Irene says, we actually want him back in Israel. We want him in Mossad. And the payoff of that 10, 12, whatever many books later is just, oh, it's fascinating. It'll be interesting to see how many readers like put that together. or think that's just a character that I came up with because right. you know, it goes, it goes way back. You know? Yeah, it's 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 far back. I think um, most would get it. I mean, assuming they read the Vince Flynn books, I he are was most memorable. Are most readers yeah. like us though, Mike? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We have a better, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. skewed it's, it's perspective. Hard. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, to hold on though, Chris and I, we recorded our part one review of the book when we were halfway done, and one of our biggest debates in episode one. Oh yeah, I, I nearly fell out of my chair. You got to tell us, please. Did you intend? The video gamer on the phone with Scott to be Marcus Demond, or is it some random or not? Person? Or are we not supposed to know? He's no, no, face. no, no. I didn't intend that at all. No, like because okay. because this guy was a lock picking expert. Okay, yeah, that's what I was trying to argue that to Mike. Yeah, like, he, no, he was so, convinced it was Marcus. So. I argued no, he can no, look no, up no, the no. schematics. He can find the schematics and hack a database. Yeah, but lock picking is really different. Like that's it's a mechanical. You have to know what all how all the locks work what kind of cores they have 
the quirks of a certain type. He's totally based on a guy on the internet named the lock picking lawyer. Huh. Oh, okay. Um, there's a guy on the, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but for some reason, his videos, he's got like million views on everyone. And all he does he is does. just his hands. And he's like, tells Shows you how, to, how pick to pick locks. locks. Yeah. Wow. Like he can pick like just any lock in the world. He can pick in like 10 seconds. And uh, so uh, that comes directly from one of his videos. That's where he was doing that particular master lock. And exactly how you would do it if he had to give you instructions. So that's we got I, an answer. At least we got an answer. Yeah. These are little things, the, the little nuances that go into writing novels that I love. That's why I love to, you know talking to authors. Well, that's why it's it's fun, you know, because I obviously when you when you write these books, it, you hopefully have a really broad series of interests, mm-hmm. you know. And I never really thought about. It. I like watch those lock picking things and I videos every once in a while and. I never really thought that would be part of a book, but then I had, a he had to open this lock. Yeah. yeah and, and like, he's not a lock picking expert. So what would you do? You'd call one and he'd tell you how to do it. You know, my guilty pleasure is there. There's a couple of YouTube channels that hack the hackers. They scam the scammers. And oh, those yeah, guys are hysterical. Those hysterical. things are really funny. Yeah. So one guy yeah. turned on the webcam of like a call center in Mumbai <laughs> or something. And he's like telling all the people what they're wearing in this office while they're scamming people. <laughs> That's funny. That could go in a thriller. That could go in a thriller, yeah. Oh, man. that's We got our answer on Marcus, so now we'll have to bother Don to find out where Marcus is and what he's been up to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're off the hook from our Marcus DeMond questions here. So. I am. All, yeah. Well, I'm off the hook on everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we wanted to ask you, we're we're actually, we're audio and typically audiobook readers um, mm. just because of our, our busy lives. And for this one, we have we have a change of the audiobook uh, reader from George to uh, Stephen Weber. We got that very nice letter from George, explaining uh, you know a little bit about that. I wanted to know if you could comment just a little bit about you know Stephen Weber, um, what you know, parting from George. Anything? Yeah, I think Stephen sounds great, and you know I understand why George you know didn't want to do it. He'd been doing it forever, um, and I can definitely understand why he wanted to move on and maybe didn't think he was the right person to do it anymore, but. I think it's interesting that I feel bad for the audio readers because I think that's a harder job than what I have, because no matter how good they do, it's a different voice, sure. you know? So hopefully I actually have readers have been much better about this than I thought, because the first time George didn't do one, man, I got a ton of hate mail. That was when like Scott was, Brick did one of your Scott novels, right? Yeah. And like, and I like I, Scott Brick. I like Scott Brick too. But I was like, I did it. I'm like, I didn't do it. George didn't want to do it. Like, what do you want me to do? Go like, put a gun to his head? <laughs> and um, so I thought that was going to happen again. It hasn't so much. Like, okay, I think, good. Good to hear. Yeah, I think that, you know, eventually stuff changes and yeah. uh, you got to roll with it a little bit. Yeah, every, everything must, must come to a change, I guess. Yeah, you I mean, me, eventually. I mean, the, you want to hear a theory? Series has been going on forever, right? It's just a theory we heard from one of our listeners. He he uh-huh. direct messaged me, and I was like, oh, my God. And Kyle, no need to comment here. Chris, I didn't tell you this. He's wondering, because George said having a younger voice might be more fitting for rap. And he said, do you think that means down the road we're going to get the Kill Shot sequel? 
will a younger voice be able to fill in an earlier rap? I'm the I'm the wrong person to ask. Just a theory, just a conspiracy theory we're putting out there. Thanks to Matt P. How many times have we asked Kyle about that? (laughs) We've tried to do it every time we we get him on the on the line. So a spin on that for you, Kyle, is and I I think I know what your answer may be, but you, you have said earlier that that's something you might be interested in, a historical fiction concept. You know, we get to see Thomas Stansfield, Stan Hurley, the Olmeyer clan, Greta. How do you feel that that is something that's not going to be in your uh, on, you know, on your resume? Or or do you feel you have any other regrets, things you would have wanted to cover in the series or do that just, you know, time, time is the great destroyer? I, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have finished that Kill Shot trilogy. I have to admit, Um Killshot's one of my favorite the trap novels. So, and it would have been fun to do something historical, but yeah, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't meant to be. I think there were a lot of interesting storylines for Mitch moving it forward. So going back, you know, that far, I don't know. I, th- I think it had been interesting and fun, but I just didn't get that much traction for it uh, with the mm. publisher. And not that they said no or anything, but it just didn't feel like they were that excited about the idea. So it's not like there wasn't other stuff to write about. Yeah. You know? So I just never did it. But I have a lot of it in my head. Mm. So Maybe one day. Over Maybe a beer with Don, you know, some of those things might slip out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Maybe he'll. I, I mean, there's a good chance he will do it because it's certainly something people ask about all the time. So little thought partner, the two of you can collab on that yeah never know we can transition a little bit to fade uh you know we just covered the novel love it but you killed the you killed the main character at the end but that's amazing i i don't know about you but that ending to me was perfectly fitting we will say that like you know in in the sense we're it's kind of a good follow-up we're talking about these loose ends in a sense you wrote a novel that is complete and you can now do whatever you want with it yeah yeah, that one, because that was so much about a character and it was all about that character being doomed. Mm-hmm. So that was the ending. The ending was always like the first thing I wrote, pretty much. So um, I knew that's how it would end. And, you know, that was the end. I mean, I I put it away. You know, I had a, that was probably the most popular, one of the most popular books I've ever written. Um, that character is certainly the most popular character I've ever written. So, um, but people would be like, oh, what, you know, what really happened? I'm like, no, no, he's, I don't think about it anymore. He's dead. And then I started thinking about it more, See, you know, <laughs> so it, uh, and I started thinking about where he'd come from and all that. And that was interesting. But one day it popped up in my head, like how it could have happened that he did not die. Oh, and okay. I like I couldn't come up with anything. It just sort of popped into my head one day. And then I started thinking about that. And I'm like, well, if he didn't die, what would like what would he be doing? What would he be, you know, feeling at this point? Where would he go? So I mean, it's not like he he didn't leave things in like very good shape. And he's kind of a wanted, extraordinarily wanted man, you know? Right. Um, what would he do? Is there any future for him? Because I mean, that's why he did what he did. There was no path forward for him you know he knew that slowly going paralyzed you know wanted killing a bunch of cops you know like it so um 
but he's an interesting character and I want to tell the story about what's going on in the world today and do it from like Mitch Rapp wasn't the right guy because he's always the master of his own universe. And I wanted to do it through kind of a younger person who's not, who can maybe get swept up in things and not know if he should be, or if it's right, if it's wrong, if, you know, but he doesn't really have anywhere else to go that like, these are the kind of things that were interesting to me. Um, And after writing about terrorism, writing about Russians and all that to kind of, look forward and what character did I want to use for that? And then again, Fade popped into my head as a guy who's a bit of a pop philosopher. He's a little nihilistic, you know, and I like all these things that you see in people in the modern world. And uh, he just seemed like a good person. I think his attitude towards life with what he's been through is a perfect vehicle to do that and and kind of think outside the box and maybe break some of our preconceived notions when we hear what's going on in the news, because he's got that quirky personality. Almost Chris and I said it would be something like on the spectrum, you know, but it gives him this innate ability to see things more clearly or differently than the most of us who are so hemmed in by the social constructs. It's, it's, It's his biggest advantage. So I think that's just a really, really fascinating thing to do. So, and you don't have to tell us this. So we're going back. Uh, no future fade books may be a flashback or no, no, not no. I'm gonna, I want to go forward. Okay, okay. Yeah, I want to go forward. I, I mean, I thought about going back, but you know, I've spent a lot of time writing about that. Like, you know, if you think of fade again, he would, in a way, he might echo mitch rap a little too much you know if you, if you went back fade clearly would be a specialist and was played as a specialist fighting terrorism right that was the time he was around he's actually arab he's i mean not arab but he's arab american so his real name is salam al-fayed right so clearly that would be his specialty he's you know a native level arabic speaker because of his family etc and that's just not like I've spent the last decade exploring that. I think at the time it was what was happening in the in the in the world and in the newspapers, but it's not really so much anymore. And you just have weird stuff going on now. You know, you've self-destructive, and it's you know it's China, but they're really schizophrenic, and you've got Russia self-destructive. America's becoming a little self-destructive. Um, and those are the things that I wanted to explore and are Mitch Rapp. In fact, in the, I think in this book, Mitch Rapp says he doesn't even want to get, you know, into that complicated self-inflicted right. damage kind of stuff. He's the guy who protects us from external forces. And so. He even no, says the Russians don't even know what they want, right? Yeah. And, you know, you've got a, the rise of a ruling class that's becoming more and more powerful. You know, I mean, that is another thing that's interesting happening in the world. You know, you think, you know, if NASA needs to get somebody, uh, an astronaut into space, they have to go beg into Elon Musk and hope, you know, they catch him before he's done too many bong hits. You know, I mean, it's kind of weird, you know, that, or, you know, we talk about a transition to electric cars. Once again, 
You got Elon Musk sitting there going, oh, do you need to charge your car? I wonder who <laughs> controls that entire system. Could it be me? <laughs> and his his internet. With yeah, like exactly. The, yeah. the Defense Department has to go begging yeah. the Ukrainians because you know, he, 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 he controls it. Yeah, and the guy's basically, see pictures of him, he's sitting there like Dr. Evil, right? <laughs> right, right. That's why Nicholas Ward was incredible. Yeah. Love Nicholas Ward. Exactly. And so I want to have a character somewhat like that, but maybe a group of characters like that. Because you think of, you know, Elon Musk and all Ian his Cook. friends kind of got together yeah. into a little cabal. <sighs> Anthony Cook, too. Yeah. I mean, you could control, you could rule a lot of the world. I mean, think about just the defense contractors. What we're finding out now that in conventional war, it's not about the weapons, it's about the ammunition. You run out of it. Right. Well, the US military doesn't make ammunition. Someone's got to manufacture it. Yeah. yeah. That's a private industry. And they say, well, you want the ammunition? Well, we can probably work that out, but yeah. you got to scratch my back. You know, I'd like to have a small island nation, please, or whatever. I mean, they, so more and more, you have individuals and companies and stuff becoming more powerful. So these are all just a lot of, it definitely, that's just a broad, you got AI, quantum computers. I mean, driverless cars, like all these things are creating just this tumultuous change. And, and then running it all or trying to, trying to control it all are politicians, all of whom are 80 to 90 years old yeah, and right, can't turn on right. a phone. So somebody's got to control it. It's not going to be Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. So it's going to be Elon Musk and Zuckerberg and people like that. So these are the things that I wanted to explore, but I didn't know if Mitch, Mitch just didn't feel like he wanted to, mm. it told me he didn't want to get involved. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. You know who'd be really interesting going up, let's say, a cabal of those characters in this global elitist would be a an Egan, Karen Manning, and Fade group because it's like you all of a sudden have a ragtag group of a, a guy who wanted to get in the pants of this cop who was trying to arrest him, and he was trying to kill his best friend who he didn't know he was his best friend, and now all of a sudden this is what we're left with to stand up against. <laughs> exactly, and amazing. you know. And then do the, are the elitists necessarily all bad, you know, right? I, like that, that's the other question, you know, I mean, Jeff Bezos, maybe he's evil, but I always get my stuff on time. And Nicholas Ward. And it's uh, so cheap. Irene trusted yeah. him and he wanted to help Irene. He was not, he was one of the good guys, even though yeah. he wielded this immense power. Yeah. And I mean, I live in a really wealthy town and I know a lot of people who have, you know, a gazillion dollars and. No, they're not all bad people, you know. Some of them really do want to help and work things out, but it's a harder question is how. Right. Yeah. And then do you and then does that power twist you? And you know, again, these are super interesting ideas. I don't know that anybody necessarily becomes goes into things to be evil. But then I mean Google, a perfect example of a company that's motto used to be don't be evil. And I think they took it off the front of their building, you know. So did they replace uh, it with a big G that the yeah, city then wants them to take down? I feel like it's like be evil, you know? So, um, all things that are interesting to explore, but again, you know, not to belabor the point, but not from necessarily Mitch Rapp's point of view. You know, I didn't want to write a Kyle Mills book and then wedge Mitch Rapp into it. I don't think that'd be fair sure. to fans. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be honest, what we want in the Mitch Rapp books 
we got here. And it's all thanks to you because the Mitch, Anna, and Claudia moments and the way you chose in that epilogue to end with Anna getting the bike out of the trunk is just that that is what makes the Mitch Rap series special. Thanks to your stamp on it. It's a gift that you have given us, just an absolute gift. Thank and you. it ended with Anna getting a gift of the bike that's been talked up for two books now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally gets the bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Mitch has gotten much, you know, he's, you've got to have that arc, you know, that character arc to make a series interesting. But after a really long series, it's hard to, particularly when you're not aging the character, you know, it's hard to keep that arc going. And I think sure. the, those two have really helped me keep Mitch growing without making him, you know, a crotchety old man. <laughs> Turning it into the next Dan Hurley. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, that you could see that happening. Sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch was always afraid of that, if you remember. Right. Yeah. You even dropped Rory Nash and Shannon Nash into this one. So the Nash kids door is also open. I'm just putting that yep. out there. You left yep. a lot of, a lot of nice sprinkles. Meat. Meat is just sprinkles that that Don Don can pull from if if, if he so chooses. So yeah, I think there's yeah there's a lot of places to take that. A lot of great characters and everything. So another one of our jokes in the first half, Chris, we were joking that Anna's still going to be seven in this book and in future <laughs> books, and then you give us the second grade quote. Did you see that, Chris? Anna's going into second right. grade, so she really is still seven. Oh, I know it's driving me nuts. That's probably what ended up driving me out of this out of the series really you know we love it though at the fact this point. that she she is so obviously not aging you know when you're 44 and you don't turn 45 it's not that noticeable sure, you know, sure. niche but right. when you're perpetually seven but she's yeah. like aged you've aged her but not eight but not actually like aged not her actually like, aged her. Yeah, yeah so she plateaued at seven yeah but it's it's just weird now because like if you start aging her she'll eventually be older than mitch right <laughs> and so yeah I, like there's there's the there's the like whatever chicken leg sewn into the pillow of dawn that's anna yep you left a sword of damocles hanging above him there with he's, that one. he's gonna have to figure that one out <sighs> well kyle i already told you this book was a gift everything you've done in the series is a gift and we don't want to ambush you here late on a Sunday night, and you got the tour ahead of you. But if you just but, give but us, a you're going to you're going to ambush it a few you. minutes. A couple of your biggest fans wanted to thank you. Just we asked them to be really quick, but they wanted to tell you how meaningful everything you've provided for basically a decade uh, has done for all of us. So if you could just a few moments to hear from um, some of your biggest I'm fans, going, I'm going to blush. Eh? Hey guys, we got Kyle here. He's got a big tour ahead of him, but we really want you guys to have a chance to tell him everything that this series has meant. So welcome, Chris, Mark, Don, and Daryl. You're super fans, Kyle. Hi. Hey. How are y'all? Awesome. So excited. Yeah, well, God, thanks for sticking with me for all these years. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for writing good stuff. Well, it's been my pleasure. Daryl, did you want to kick it off? Absolutely. Kyle, we, I just wanted to express my heartfelt gratitude for keeping Mitch Rapp alive and badass over the last almost decade. Um, your, your dedication to continuing Vince's legacy has been nothing short of remarkable, and your storytelling prowess 
your massive action, your character development have provided endless hours and suspense and entertainment for us, for us guys. Well, thanks. Thanks. It's been a real pleasure. I mean, it's, I was a huge fan before I took over the series and I'm kind of looking forward to being a fan again. Yeah. Chris. I think Daryl said it. That's it. I'm going to go with that. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing you Tuesday. Oh, are you coming on Tuesday? Yep. Great, great. I'll see you there. I'll look forward to it. Mark? Thank you, Kyle. You took one of my favorite characters in Scott Coleman, and you really made him a bigger part of the series. It was just, I couldn't picture a better writer doing that. Um, and Lethal Agent was is one of my favorite thrillers of all time. I just oh, want to thank, thank you for you. that. Thanks. It's funny. Yeah, people ask me, what's your second favorite character right after Mitch? And everybody thinks, you know, everybody has a preconceived notion of who I'm going to say. And I always say that it's Scott because he's become like a bigger part of the series and he's really gained his own personality and stuff. And his interactions with Mitch are always really fun to write. So I'm glad I'm glad you picked up on that because I, I think he's really fun to to hang out with. Absolutely. Don, you want to jump in? I do. And I'm not going to video because I have three dogs that are trying to get on my head. Um, I think everybody knows, and I'm not sure. I think I told you, but Red War brought me back to reading. Um, when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was read about horses or dogs. I could not find anything I was interested in. And then I just quit reading for a while. And back, it was after you wrote Red War, I found a, a not a hardback, just a, a paperback in Barnes and Noble when I took my mom shopping. And I, I thought, oh, that sounds familiar, American assassin writer. And um, then I saw that Vince had passed and I, I started getting into all these books and oh my gosh, he's passed. And then I realized that it wasn't you that passed, that Vince had passed, which whatever, I'm rambling, but I love it. I love action. I love the, the characters. Um, Mitch and Scott are my favorite of, of all of them. I love how you make me laugh as well as the great action that you write. There's, there's several people that I have been reading, but I always come back to you. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with both your writing and the characters. But if you weren't there, I, I wouldn't be uh, engaged as I am, as engaged as I am. So thank you. Well, I, I'm, that's so nice. It's great to hear because I love reading. I think there's nothing quite like it. I like movies and stuff too, but there's nothing like reading. So to hear that I helped bring somebody back to it, um, it's really great. Thank you. Great. I appreciate it. Yeah, I want to just say, you know, thank you, Kyle, for giving us solace through in the, the pandemic because it's because of your, you know, lethal agent and, and total power that we started this podcast. And so... It's it's very bittersweet that uh you know we're we're turning this over, but you know look look forward for new things ahead, new things from you as well as new things from the series. And uh, yeah, I mean, if it weren't weren't for you, keep writing these books, we we wouldn't be on this podcast right now. So that's for sure. Well, I'm glad you guys had fun with it. 
and got got inspired to do the podcast because it's really fun to it's always fun to listen to these things. And now that you're branching out and doing other books and stuff, it's really it's kind of fun to to hear you talk about other authors too. It's honestly my favorite like part of the week. My, my wife says sometimes I come home, I'm like, oh, I got a podcast, and then she'll hear me like talking to Mike like through the through the mic and through the door, and she's like, you you sound the most happy. Like, well, some of the times the most happy when I'm talking to Mike. <laughs> like I've had a bad day at work, you know, whatever. Like but then this podcast brightens my day. So yeah. it's because of you. So well, thanks. I'm glad. Kyle, we'll let you go get started on your tour with Don. But one uh, tradition here on No Limits, the Mitrep podcast, is we'd like to leave you with a very special limerick. And so here is your farewell limerick. There once was an author named Kyle. For us fans, he went the extra mile. Bringing friends from the past. Code Red is a blast. Thank you for all of the smiles. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> good one. They're always good. <laughs> now get some rest and uh, we'll see you with Don tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. And thanks everybody for uh, for reading and for hanging in there with me and um, giving me a chance. Yeah. Thank you, thanks, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. All right. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Kyle. Always great to chat with him. Always great to chat. Like he's he's just such a down to earth guy. You know, like I remember the first time David set up the interview with him. I guess we were talking total power, right? Yeah. And I was super nervous. I was because yeah. he was he was our first like interview, right? You, know, you even like phrased it with with David when when he like first reached out to us. I mean, we we said this on the pod before, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but you were like. You know, maybe it would be awesome. Maybe we could just like chat to Kyle. You know, send him, send him an email or yep. something. And, and and David was like, "No, we can, we we can make it happen." You know, I think like, you know, like we're like, "Oh, really? Yeah, you want to talk to us?" I think I said to him, "You know, we're starting this podcast. We're just two fans. We love talking about the books. You know, long term pie in the sky. One of our biggest goals here would be to have Kyle on the podcast. You know, to get to talk to him." And David's like, "Oh, when do you want to do that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had them all. We've had them on for Total Power, Enemy, Enemy at the Gates. Oh, we did a uh, Consent to uh, Kill Oath invite. He came to talk Consent to Kill. We talked Consent to Kill. We did an Oath of Loyalty, and now so this is his fifth time on the pod. Fifth time. That, that I think yeah. that takes the cake of repeat Mitch Rap Pod. Uh, I, I think Ward Larson is 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 up there with six, maybe. No, 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 no. I would. I think Ward's got three. I think Ward, Andrews, and Wilson have three each. Oh, okay, Brian Costello, okay. maybe three or four. All right, all right. I think Kyle wins with five, but Kyle, we'll have Kyle to look into it. this. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So thank you guys. Next week or next time you hear from us, we'll be bringing you part two of our Code Red. Go check out both those two parts. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Awesome seeing uh, all the all the patrons on the call today. That was that was really nice. Loved it. That was, that was a good idea by you, Mike. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just like Kyle, be Kyle, man. <laughs> <laughs>